Pascal Siakam is coming to the Indiana Pacers. A lot of stuff is going to the Toronto Raptors. Somehow the Pelicans got involved. What all is going on? Is this great for the Pacers? Is this a good deal? How does Siakam fit? We'll cover it all today in some order on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, y'all? Happy whatever day you're listening, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the talk of the league right now, the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, obviously, emergency time, Pascal Siakam is heading to the Indiana Pacers. Woj reported it today. Uh, Shams reported it soon after. All the details have been rolling in for the last hour. And there's a lot to break down. Was this worth it? How does Siakam fit? How did this all come to be? Because the Pelicans are somehow involved in a way that is sort of significant and smart, of course, as the Pacers have done in many of their bigger trades, by the Pacers. We have a lot to get to. I have to talk slower. And thankfully, there's someone here for me to bounce my ideas off of who wrote Spicy P on the whiteboard in the classroom. It's Derek Kramer from iPacers blog, who thankfully I was going to pick you anyway, as you know. But texted me and said, can we talk about this? And I was happy to do it. Derek, give me your initial reaction before we dive into everything that happened today. Just, uh, holy crap, It's actually, it actually happened. That was, uh, that was my initial reaction, especially after getting like the mid-negotiation update <laughs> with the specific offer details. Like, I don't remember too many like happening like this, like the next day. Um, so I was very surprised that it uh, happened this quickly, honestly, because you never know when you get those kind of details. Um, and then it was just kind of diving in, thinking about like, oh, what are what are all the details, the extra little things that we're going to find out and the the great fun that uh, trades bring to the Twitterverse. Yeah. It, it, like I said yesterday, it was rare that reporting has details from both sides. Right. That is typically unusual, which either meant to me that it was kind of soonish coming or that it would not happen until the last possible moment. It was option A. So the full trade, as we have come to discover over the last 45 minutes to an hour, the Pelicans got involved because they wanted to get under the tax. So they are trading their second round pick this year and Kyra Lewis to the Pacers for the minimum amount of cash a team can send in a trade. So the Pacers basically give up nothing for Kyra Lewis and a second rounder, which is important because that means the Pacers now had more salary. They could immediately re-aggregate to Toronto because they took Kyra Lewis into cap space. So going from the Pacers to the Raptors for Siakam is Bruce Brown and his contract, which the second that was signed, it was tradable. Team option next year. The Raptors could flip him this year. He's played, he just The last game he played for the Pacers was probably his best game for the Pacers in Denver. One of his best, at least he was good. Jordan Wara on an expiring deal. Tough season for him, not on the court, just situationally expiring contract that could not be extended and Kyra Lewis who never touched the floor for the Pacers obviously that is enough for the Pacers to take Siakam into their space they'll now be pretty close to the salary cap line and then three firsts will be going from the Pacers to the Raptors that will be their 2024 first rounder their own protected picks one through three uh their 2024 first from OKC they got at draft night last year which could be any a number of firsts but not the Pacers and the Pacers 2026 first rounder protected one through four if it doesn't convey, it would be 2027 protected one through four. If somehow the Pacers pick in the top four both of those years, something absolutely terrible has happened in the next three years of our lives, and then it would become two second-rounders sent 
to the Toronto Raptors. So three, what you need to know from the Pacers' perspective, the stuff they had this morning that they sent to the Raptors was three first-rounders, Bruce Brown and Jordan Wara. Derek, do you think that's a good price? Does that make sense to you? What do you think of the protections? I keep rambling and saying stuff. Please stop me. <laughs> uh, I, I think this is kind of the ideal thing you would want to give up for Siakam, like picks primarily is the prize for the Raptors. Bruce Brown is obviously a good player, but they have a lot of like his size of players. And he was like kind of redundant with the skills that Nimhard brings um, in some ways. Uh, so I think it makes perfect sense, especially with the kind of immediate follow-up that Siakam is excited to come to Indiana as excited. We'll get there. Very important. Yes. But it's excited to potentially uh, rework that contract this summer. Um, so, yeah, that's obviously a big key here. But with with where those picks currently stand and adding those light protections in case of the, the Pacers world ending in some way for them to fall all the way down that low or they get lucky in the lottery or something, whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just like that's it seems like a perfect worthwhile risk to take to get and like a recently all NBA caliber forward at a spot that they've needed for years. Yeah. The, they have size at the four now, which is crazy. Obi Toppin was assuming that role and we will get to Obi Toppin because he's a very interesting player now all of a sudden to me. Um, okay. Picks wise, the one, let's start with this year's draft. So the reason I surmised yesterday that this would be the case that both 2024 picks would be in it is because now the Pacers can, one, trade the inverse protected picks from the drafts that they didn't trade today. And two, they can now trade 2028, uh, or I guess first available 2029, and 2031. So they can still trade two first. They still have all their young dudes. I think that's part of the value of the stepping rule, not having to trade two firsts across different drafts. So that always made the most sense to me. The protections probably won't matter, like I joked earlier, but I think it's significant that both of this year's picks aren't particularly awesome, especially because... Pascal Siakam's on the Pacers now, right? So this year's pick, in theory, assuming it doesn't take forever for some acclimation to happen, will be worse. And right now it is in a three-way tie for 17th, but the Pacers win, let's say they win tomorrow in Sacramento, now all of a sudden it's 22nd, right? Like, that's not a good pick. The OKC pick is 27th, like, too late firsts. You're not as pressed about that if you're the Pacers, especially because their draft record hasn't been the craziest good thing ever since Miles Turner, no one has gotten a second contract. So... I think they'll be happy with doing picks instead of their young guys. And that's the other part of this, right? As you saw in the Ojanina and Anobi trade from the Raptors, they wanted young guys. They got quickly. Barrett's young, although he's already gotten paid. They got a pretty good second, right? But they won it quickly. He's a great young talent, young talent that's already established. It's very valuable. For the Pacers to hold on to their established young talent of uh, Andrew Nemhard and Benedict Matherin, and we'll see what Jairus Walker is, but to keep a top 10 pick, something they very rarely have, I think was also important, right? We got a bunch of reporting in recent months, weeks, whatever, about them not wanting to give up Jairus Walker or Benedict Matherin and a deal like this. And maybe some of the smaller, younger pieces could have been in there, but also significant to me, they kept Neesmith in this. So they still have young, interesting stuff, right? And they still have tradable firsts. And as painful as it is in the moment to hear, you know, if you're a fan of the Pacers, right? When they make a draft night trade for a future first, it's like, that's boring. Flexibility is boring. And it is. It's boring to say. But this is why they talk about it all the time, because at some point it allows you to do this. It allows you to trade a guy you just signed 
a guy you got in a throw, not a throw in, but like a salary dump last year for Jay Crowder and three firsts for a potential star and an amazing fit in Pascal Siakam. From a price perspective to me, assuming he doesn't leave, which we will talk about in just a second, Pacers did pretty well, I think. They did a pretty good job of landing a quality player with the biggest thing they may lose is, let's say they have a crummy 2025-26 season. Like a 17th pick could be the best asset they trade in this, potentially, depending on what you think about Bruce Brown. Yeah, I think that's – I like just think about what the roster looks like now. Like the only thing that changes in the rotation, well, main thing that changes is you take Bruce Brown out and replace him with Pascal Siakam. And that alone just makes so many things make more sense on this team that uh, I, I think you're going to, we're going to see dividends this year. And obviously long-term is the question. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to see what this looks like once Tyrese is back. And really, he should help while while Tyrese is still out for those few games as well. Hopefully, he's back in that yep. right after that two-week time is over. So, some minor geekery, if you will let me, <laughs> Derek. Uh, okay, one, the trade with New Orleans has to happen first because Kyra Lewis, because his contract is going into the Pacers cap space, will be re routed to Toronto and have his contract aggregated in that trade. So, because Kyra Lewis is coming to the Pacers for no players, the Pacers have to waive someone. Lo and behold, James Johnson, the king of getting paid twice by the Pacers, <laughs> might be getting paid twice by the Pacers again. He will be the guy to be waived. At least that's what the reporting is and what I have reported, so knock on wood that that remains the case. If he clears waivers, the Pacers would like to bring him back, and they will open up a roster spot because they're trading three guys for one. In fact, they'll still have an open roster spot. After the trade in theory, which is another thing to talk about. But uh, that's part one. James Johnson will be waived to facilitate their trade with New Orleans, which is minimum cash for Kyra Lewis and a second. It's the worst of the Pelicans and Bulls seconds. So not very good. Pacers could have three picks in the 50s this year. No idea how you manage that. Doesn't matter. That's a far off problem. Uh, and then that is geekery number one. Number two is they'll have to slash someone's cap hold to bring in Kyra Lewis. That doesn't matter. Um, but I think the interesting things is now they will have a roster spot, but they do get a second in this phase. Does that mean anything to you? Does it matter? This, I did not realize the second wasn't this draft. So no, <laughs> everything I hear about this draft is it's not super deep. So I'm picks in the fifties in this one, uh, pick a random international guy, uh, <laughs> see what happens. Is that, is that the plan? If the draft was today, the Pacers only picks would be 51, 53 and 58. <laughs> you could trade well, all three for 40 you, maybe the one thing that's uh if they change it to two nights that would make it much more bearable <laughs> much more bearable to wait for the 51 53 and 58 to then just be like dealt away at the last moment and they end up making like none of those picks <laughs> plenty more to talk about value perspectives siakam's fit on the pacers and the pacers doing the thing but we've got to start with siakam's willingness to resign before we talk about any of that though have to really quickly dive into two wonderful groups of people. First up is the great folks over at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, Anthony Davis, more than or less than two blocks in a game, or Damian Lillard for more or less than four three-pointers made in a game. Maybe not those exact lines, but something similar. You can also do with football going on, basketball plus football, in a specials combo league, for example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. They even have a reboot policy on prize picks. So if one of your players gets injured, you can reboot 
boom, your, your skin is still in the game. You're not kicked out just because one of your guys gets hurt. One of the best ways to play daily fantasy sports, go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA with the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy. And got to talk to you guys about the wonderful people over at LinkedIn. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn Jobs knows that success all depends on the team you surround yourself with, and that is why – They've created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free, kind of like Pascal Siakam. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which is why it's the best place to hire. It's super easy when you have that many quality candidates. It's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And LinkedIn also knows small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, The process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free. How about that? At LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Thanks for Derek for sitting there for two minutes while I talked about other companies. Check out Sean Woodley, Lockdown Raptors, for that side of the trade. Of course, he's going to have a lot to say about the Raptors. And Spicy P, a champion. With this one champion out and Bruce Brown, another one in. Actually, two champions out. Bruce Brown and Warren for Siakam. Three champions in a trade. Either way, <laughs> a legend in Toronto in Pascal Siakam. Sean Woodley with Lockdown Raptors is your next place to go. Derek, the natural follow-up here, of course, is, and the risk that everyone has talked about in trading for Siakam in Ananobi is, he's a free agent in four months. Five months. I can do math. Five months when July 1st rolls around. Remember, everyone, I would first say with this. One, under the new CBA, incumbent team can negotiate after the finals. So the Pacers can try to get Siakam resigned and done earlier than July 1st this year. But that is not that relevant. I mean, we all know <laughs> what the offering is and how it works. The only thing that I think is different than a normal summer, right? Usually everybody talks about cap space and blah, blah, blah. Usually teams with cap space are bad. Um, so it's harder for them to lure good players. Philly is an exception this year, and they are the team worth keeping an eye on. But – I'm rambling too much. The talk has been, is it risky trading for a player who could be a rental? And I have always said yes, but I also say I think that teams are typically smart and wouldn't do something stupid without some assurances, at least from a player that they would stay around. Um, Siakam's agents are Andrew Nemhard's agents is something to note. And the other thing to note is two things. One, from Mark Spears of ESPN's Anscape, he talked to Pascal Siakam's agent, Todd Ramasar. And Todd Ramasar said, I'm excited that Pascal is getting a first-class opportunity with the Pacers, being paired with Tyrese and Miles and being coached by a great coach and Rick Carlisle. His future there looks bright. And then we got Woj uh, later in the day, actually earlier, I don't remember the order, who said, Pascal Siakam is excited about the deal to the Pacers and expected to be eager to work out a new contract with the franchise this summer. Does that make you feel better? Does that sound like agent speak? How important is that part of this now to you? Where do you land on all of the Pascal Siakam's future with the Pacers part of this? Yeah, I think like that can't make you feel worse like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> a thousand percent a positive. Like the agent doesn't have to make any kind of comment after a trade. Like you don't always hear an agent be like, yay or nay. <laughs> they don't chime in all the time after every Wojbom or Shams thing. So I mean, that's, it, it's exactly what you want to hear. Like it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day, like things can always happen and change. Uh, but 
like that's exactly what like we basically we heard what they I'm sure they told the Pacers like yes he would like it there we're not going to commit to anything obviously but uh, we like the idea of that long term um, is all you really want and considering that they like kept all of that young talent and just sent out the picks like that's the exact type of risk that feels like it's worth it to get this guy in the building yeah I think that is right so they, here's what the Pacers have advantage-wise now. They can offer Pascal. I'm not saying they should do this. I'm just saying they can. They can offer Pascal Siakam five years. No one else in the NBA can. They can offer Pascal Siakam 8% raises. No one else in the NBA can. Siakam turns 30 in April. Uh, he's only played eight years in the pros. All that notwithstanding, this is probably the last big contract he's ever going to get. Maybe not. Probably. So... His max is huge. His max would be the same as Tyrese Halberton's five-year max at full value, uh, assuming Tyrese Halberton makes All-NBA. Uh, if the cap goes up the full amount, it'd be five years, $260 million. I will stop right there and say I highly doubt Pascal Siakam is getting five years, $260 million from the Pacers. I think he could get a good amount of money. I don't think he would be that much. The reason I would pause there is, one, I, in the new CBA, money is tighter. It just is. And my example to point to would be, Kawhi M.F. Leonard did, did, just got a three-year non-max contract extension with the Clippers. Now, granted, he has an injury past, but Siakam's not like the perfect bill of health ever, too. So I don't think he's going to get the full boat, everything I just said, but the raises matter. The Pacers' years advantage matters. They have him on their team. That all is significant to me. Uh, and again, I wouldn't do this without some thought that they could – uh, hopefully keep him in the fold. The other thing I would add, and this goes back to the in-season tournament really before that, right? Kevin Pritchard said forever ago, I, I can't remember the first time he said it, but that they believe in Tyrese Halburn's ability to recruit. Woj reported on that again at the in-season tournament, talking specifically to Tyrese Halburn. And that is twofold, right? That is, of course, a recruiting externally, right? Hey, free agent, come play for the Pacers. I'm going to make you look good. I'm going to get you the ball. We're fun and good and ascending. Look at us go. And that's all true. That's awesome. There's also uh, the other side of that, which is recruiting guys who are already on your team. Hey, dude, look at this. We're good. You could stay. I'll get you paid. Life is good. Look how much better I made. Aaron Neesmith, Miles Turner, name five Pacers if you want. Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith, all these guys. Jordan Huara, who got in the trade. That he could say, I made them look good or better. You're next, right? So I think – the pit, one, the Pacers, again, probably wouldn't have done this without some reasonable feeling they could keep him. But two, I think that's a big part of it is that they have a lot of stuff in their favor that not saying anything's guaranteed, and they deserve a ton of criticism if he leaves in the summer, but they should feel good about it to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, like, I think an important thing about, like, Tyrese could have tried to recruit him as a free agent this summer, but then the Pacers are going to have to get rid of a lot more than – just Bruce Brown and Jordan Nora to make the space available to sign him. Yes. So, yes. So I was going to get there. Yes. So that's the price. Yeah. That's the price that they're paying and making that trade now, getting him on the team now. So they don't have to get rid of as many people to get him on the roster, potentially long-term. So that's all, that's part of the equation too. And I like what you said about the why factor like that like should set the market somewhat in terms of like why well, didn't get a max like maybe <laughs> we should talk about something less than that um so i think that'll help there with the terms um but yeah 
like it just makes it makes a ton of sense everything to me it does and you nailed the last part of this and i i've said this on this show a couple times right if the players involved in a trade like this like people say this i said this i said this about ananobi antiakam why trade for them if you can just sign them well the guys they would have had to let go of to sign him because remember they extended Tyrese Halberton, they extended Aaron Neesmith. I forget they, they got a third player with more money than just this year. My brain does not work very well today. <laughs> I'm having a lot of trouble. Um, anyway, to actually clear enough space to sign him, they would have had to lose Bruce Brown anyway, probably lose Buddy Heald, which is why the New Orleans part of this is so fascinating to me. Um, and do and Maybe lose McConnell and Jalen Smith, right? Definitely lose Wara, who's going to be a free agent, right? To clear enough space to actually do that, right? So now they have him in-house. They have his bird rights, which is significant in keeping him. You know, they can sort out their team, figure out how good he is, see what they look like in the postseason, assuming they get there, right? A lot of stuff is now easier. Now, is it three first-round picks easier? That's why I think my brain says they're confident they can keep him, right? Because three first-round picks, even if they're protected and probably won't be awesome, it's still a lot, right? I want to beat this into people's heads, so I'm going to say it again. Just pretend in 2026, Pacers don't have a great year, right? Right now, they would have the 17th pick, and they should be better then, and for many reasons. So let's pretend they have the same season then that they have now. Is trading pick 17, 20, 27, like that much for a guy you could have for multiple years who's a stud? Probably not. So I, I, I still think with three first, you have some reasonable confidence you're going to keep him because of that push and pull I just said, but – they gave up guys they would have had to lose to sign him anyway. So I, I think they've got to feel pretty good about all of that. Is there any other part of the trade specifically you think we haven't gotten to? Not in terms of like details, thinking long term. I think we just haven't talked about on court stuff now. Yes. We, well, we have what two things left on court stuff and sorting out the rest of the team. Before we get to that, though. We have to really quickly talk about the lovely people over at Game Time. The best way to buy tickets to events near you. How should I know? I used it. I went to New York. I wanted to watch New York Liberty play. I hopped on Game Time. Didn't have to worry at all. Everything that they say is so true and so great. You can get last minute tickets. I bought on the day of the game. You know they're going to be cheap. You know exactly the view you're going to get from your seat because they show you right in the app. It's going to give you the lowest price you can get and a lot of other stuff. I like seeing the view. I like being able to get a day of. Something I like that is not true any other place you get tickets to events, you get the all-in price. You don't pick it at a number, and then you go to check out, and it's like twice as high. You get the full total up front, and they have the game time guarantee, meaning you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or for less elsewhere, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You know you're getting the best deal. You can get it the day of. You can see exactly what you're going to see. It is a win-win-win and the best way to buy tickets. I can attest to this. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKDOWN for $20 off. Your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account. Redeem the code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off at Game Time. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on Lockdown Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. If you're super interested in the tax mechanics of the Pelicans getting off of Kyra Lewis's money for a second rounder and getting some cash to do it, Jake Madison at Lockdown Pelicans can break down the third team in this trade. I'm sure everybody's dying, dying to know more about that. Dying to. That's the most common question I've gotten since the trade. Hey, I went on the trade machine, and Wara and Brown for Siakam isn't legal. Yes, because it's also Kyra Lewis, and I get that that's confusing, and I understand. I'm doing my best. I'm apparently not explaining it very well. We'll see what comes of this in the coming days. Two more things I want to talk about. One is his fit on the team, and two is the the team 
someone's a loser here. I think potentially two guys are losers here, right? I, I assume you'll share this opinion, but I'll just say this now. Siakam's going to start, duh, right? So Jalen Smith is not going to start, right? So <laughs> either so some big losers on the Pacers roster, potentially. Isaiah Jackson, uh, Obi Toppin, certainly, right? Anyone who could be playing three, four off the bench, minutes could be dropping. So one of either Isaiah Jackson's not playing at all, and Jalen Smith is back to the backup five, or they're going to try Smith for Jackson five, and then Obi Toppin's not playing at all. I have a feeling it will be Jackson, just given what we've seen this season, but I don't know that. Could they ch- change some other stuff elsewhere to find these minutes? Could it be like Halliburton, Neesmith, Siakam, Smith, Turner to start games? Is that possible? Yeah. Should it be? No. <laughs> no, it should not be. Um, so I don't know who's going to start at the two. Maybe it's healed. Maybe it's Matherin. Derek wants it to be the TMNTs. Uh, that You can bother him for that <laughs> information. Either way, someone likely – they acquired a front court player – for a backcourt player. So someone on the front court is a loser by default. And so that lends me to think either they could in the future, there's still three weeks to the trade deadline, look to move whoever the loser is, or they'll have to do something else uh, to sort out their rotation. Uh, what say you on that before we talk about Siakam's fit? Yeah, I agree with you on the, like those are the potential losers, like two of the three, like Obi Toppin's minutes are going to go down regardless. Like he's probably down to 12 to 15 at best. Yep. And then, Isaiah or Jalen, and I would assume since Jalen's been starting and he was the backup before, backup center uh, until they tried starting him, that it's probably going to be Ajax that goes to the bench. But they've tried to play Isaiah Jackson and sticks together a lot, so possible that they do that at the four or five. Uh, but we'll see. I feel like if they wanted, if that was something they were considering, I feel like they might have just tried to send OB to the Raptors, but maybe the Raptors didn't want him. Uh, so that's also possible. Uh, my TMNT thing, that will be uh, <laughs> Tyrese, Matherin, uh, Neesmith, Turner, and then Siakam, who's not really needed for the TMNT thing, but it just makes it fun. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be the starters. Honestly, I think my preference would be Nimhard at the two. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and then having Ben and Buddy – and then TJ running the second unit just because of how good he's looked as the backup. And Nimard's kind of struggled at the point so far this year. So I think that's my preference initially, but I'm okay with any of those three guys starting at the two. I think they would all uh, fit very nicely there. McConnell and Nemhard are winners because with Bruce Brown out of the team, there is minutes for them every game. There has been already, but now even with Halbert and back, there will be. Uh, okay. Wow. That's really interesting. So I, I think that that bench group with, McConnell, Matherin, Heald has been great, right? So maybe that is enough of an argument. And we've seen that the Nemhard Neesmith wing duo on defense gives the Pacers a lot. You might have a good point. You might have actually just swayed me that that makes the most sense. I was going to say, you know, who fits really well with Pascal Siakam is Buddy Heald. <laughs> the shooting, where, you know, to create, I mean, he can, like Caitlin described him as like a piece of paper, right? He can slip through any gap on the court. Well, if there's huge gaps because Buddy Heald's spacing, that's great. He hasn't shot it as well this year, though. So I thought in my original head it would be Halliburton healed Neesmith, Pascal, Miles Turner. But you might have convinced me that Nemhard makes a lot of sense. He was great starting at the two last year, and his defense is valuable. And they won a defense in the starting five. And then your bench is McConnell, whatever two doesn't start, the other other two that doesn't start, Obi Toppin and a backup five, or Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson. But that, again, would surprise me. I'm not ruling it out, but it would surprise me. So still an odd man out. I think 
um, but less so. And they've got a little bit of time to figure it out. I don't know when Siakam's going to debut. But that is, I think, the last Pacers ripple effect to get to. Now let's talk about the two-time All-NBA player that is now on the Indiana Pacers. He's not that guy anymore. I have to reiterate this if you didn't listen to my podcast yesterday. If you go to Basketball Reference right now, and then you type in the comments on this YouTube video, he's only shooting 31.7% from three this year. I'm not replying to you. I'm not I'm not interacting with that. That is true. <laughs> you have you have successfully sent me a fact from Basketball Reverend that does not, one, say his efficiency well this year. He started off awful from three. He made one three from uh, November 2nd through November 17th. He made three threes from November 2nd through the 22nd, so three weeks. But – if you go from, let's just pick a fun day. How about November 19th through now? So two days short of two months. He is shooting 36% from deep. That's fantastic. If you make your cutoff New Year's Day, that's super recent, so maybe that's not going to be that interesting. It's much higher, right? There's a lot of ways you could sort this out and say that his first month was awful, but his since November splits are really good, right? He is a more efficient player than that. His season on the whole, his true shooting percentage is 60%. I'm saying all this to say he started awful and has settled into showing that he is still a really nice player. 22 points per game at his size, six and a half rebounds, five assists. I think that's significant on the Pacers, the way they play, the way they move the ball. The random action is going to be fascinating. He can slither through space. He's not the awesomest world beating us defender ever, but he has size. I would say he's about a league average defender. 60% true shooting, pretty low turnover rate, on good usage, decent enough defender. Yeah, there's going to be warts with his fit because he's not like the lights outest shooter ever. I'm not going to pretend that he is, but he is a better shooter than his percentages say. He's an awesome fit as the second creator they beat it thanks to Tyrese instead of just hoping they get it from someone else every night. I think that he's a really good fit. I've said that all season. I thought he was the better Raptors player fit. And I think that he will provide them a lot. So without not a perfect fit, there's no such thing, but as close as you can get, really good player for the Pacers to have. Yeah, I think the even if you look at his three-point shooting, even if you include the whole season from the corners, he's shooting 45%. So this season, even like corner-wise, he's shooting very well. It's the above the break yeah. threes that have not gone well so far this year. Um, I really <clears throat> like even if he's just a league average defender at four now, like that's so much better than having Andrew Nimhart guard Lowry Markkinen or Buddy yeah. Heald guarding yeah. those guys. Um, just that alone, getting that league average <laughs> defender at the four and moving everybody down a, a position and defending guys that they more likely should be is just yeah. absolutely like that could be game changing. Like there's a reason why like the defense has gotten better just by putting Jalen Smith in the starting lineup. Yes. Because so even if he's not the best defender at those spots, he at least lets those other guys go down a spot and they're defending guys that make more sense for them. That, that was the point I made about Nesbitt after the Jazz game. Like you can see it with his absence and it's a little different. But like when he's out, a two is guarding a three or a four is guarding a three or a two is guarding a four or Andrew Nembhard's guarding Lowry Marketing for some reason because that's the best they could do. That's the best they could do. And so now they have more size. That's going to help a lot. Again, he's not a perfect fit, right? Like, it, it, this is hilarious to say. Actually, it's probably T.J. McConnell. I take it back. You can make an argument that Pascal Siakam is the worst shooter in the Pacers rotation. I think it's a pretty easy argument to make, <laughs> right? Yeah, other than T.J., yeah. That's, yeah, that's, but I forgot about McConnell when I was going to say that. But still, that's crazy to me. And that says a lot about his offensive fit. They don't even need him to be a shooter. But, I mean, I think that that will be very helpful. There's just like 
Nothing he's bad at, which I also think is valuable, right? He's, again, a fantastic rim finisher this season as well. Uh, 76.8% from zero to three feet. That's pretty dang good at the rim for Siakam, 50% from three to 10 feet. He's just going to allow the Pacers to do so much on the offensive end. Only half of his shots are assisted. I think that number is going to go up with the Pacers in a meaningful way, which should help him a bit. This guy scored 50 points in a game last year. Like that alone should sell his value. And the other thing about him, his fit, as I mentioned this, but like I was saying this before free agency last year. And part of why I think I was a little higher on Bruce Brown's fit with the Pacers and his skill set. My cat's coming in. That's awesome. Uh, is that Tyrese Halliburton is an awesome creator, but not always, right? When he was getting blitzed, was the Pacers' worst stretch of the season. Um, they just needed a, a reliable secondary guy all the time and a guy who could do it when he wasn't on the floor. And now they have both of those. So I think that's going to be a fascinating part of this now for the Pacers. I'm allergic to cats, Tony, so I need you to get the cat <laughs> out of the room. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. But there's like one of the things that I like. It's a perfect it, trade. Perfect trade. Perfect trade. That's what she was saying. I just checked. <laughs> one of the one of the things I like about uh, Siakam's fit is like he has that nice mid-post game. Yeah. And like can play in that. And that just gives the Pacers another look that they can go to. And Turner's the like perfect big to put next to him because he can spread the floor when needed. Um, so like I just I'm really excited to see like how this team meshes together over the rest of this year. And like I I think it's gonna work really well. I'm I'm, I'm really excited to to watch it. I agree with that, and I will close with my opening most important thought to me. Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Mather, and Jairus Walker are all still on the Pacers somehow, right? Can I lob you some hypothetical, obvious answer questions? Yes. Would you trade uh, Jairus Walker for a pick after, let's say, 17 in the draft? Any draft. Oh, interesting, interesting. No, Would sir. you trade Ben Mather for a player or a pick, excuse me, 17 or later in any draft? No, no sir. How about, how about Andrew Nemhard? <laughs> no, sir. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And so keeping those while giving up picks that will, again, likely, never certain, Never certain the 45-win, 14 Pacers fell apart the very next year. A lot changed. But still, nothing is certain in the NBA. But I think from a value perspective, keeping them is very significant. The Pacers did a pretty good job of assessing their situation, using their cap space pretty well, um, identifying a good player fit, trading players that were not necessarily in their long-term future, and still keeping their young core. They also chose a direction. That's something else to discuss in the future. Uh, I think, but they're, the, the two-timeline part is over. If you're not ready to contribute fairly soon, they can develop maybe one guy, but more than one's going to be tough. So we'll see what this means for the Pacers now their team fits together. There's lots more to come from this. Locked on Raptors, locked on Pelicans. We'll have more tomorrow. We'll also talk, I guess, a little bit about the Kings game and what happens there. Derek, thank you for the time. Where can people find you and your work and your whiteboard drawing that I don't think anybody got to see? No, you can't even. It's, it's terrible anyway. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at iPacersBlog, iPacers.com. Um, I'll hopefully have some stuff on the Siakam trade and uh, where that puts the Pacers this year and the future and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Can I, that, that's my least favorite. That, not that stupid. That just reminded me of my least favorite writing thing was people say, well, one thing led to another. <laughs> I'm going to okay, start well, my article with that. What are those things? <laughs> those feel very important to get from point A to point B. You can't just do that. <laughs> like if a person got hit by a car one day, 
He wouldn't write like the person woke up and then they were in the hospital. One thing led to another. It's like there's a whatever. This is what people come to the Pascal Siakam podcast and for. Cameron Pritchard got the job as Pacers president. One thing led to another, and now Pascal Siakam is on the Indiana Pacers. Skip all the rest of the parts in the middle. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's going to be fun to break this thing down. I don't think he'll play in Sacramento, but we'll cover everything as soon as we can here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. I'm on Twitter at Tony Arese. A lot of these details we talked about today. Currently in my feed, this show is at Lockdown Pacers. Plenty more to come. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. We will see you soon.